0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, book by book, chapter by chapter, and this is a fun one. We've got Joshua chapter 6 here. We looked at the last two chapters, uh, really maybe actually the last three chapters, all about the crossing of the Jordan River, this big central moment in the book of Joshua, and today really continues that same idea because doesn't do you any good to cross the river if you can't control it, and that means controlling the city of Jericho. And so today is that famous story of the fall of Jericho and its walls. You know, it's a it's a story that, I don't know, I, I think I've heard this story just again and again since childhood. It's uh, We have that song, there's that old folk song, I just, I'm going to spontaneously start singing at different points during the hour today. Uh, it's just, I can't help it. It's a really cool chapter, but is it is it just like a cool legend of how the this, the walls fell down? It's just kind of one of these like kind of an inspirational tales or something, or is there more to it? Well, there certainly is, of course, and we're going to get into that today with our guest. We've got Pastor Mark Jasa. He is the pastor of uh, or one of the pastors, I believe, at Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Pasadena, California. Good morning, welcome, brother. So good to have you with us for this chapter especially.
1: Good morning. Yeah, I'm certainly glad to be. I like this chapter. This is a, a an interesting chapter.
0: Uh, yeah, to, to say the least, interesting is putting it lightly. I mean, it's <laughs> it's one of these chapters where I, it gets a lot of attention, both popularly and scholarly. Scholarly? My goodness, that's a word. <laughs> um, scholarly. Well, I can't Okay, I'm not going to try. No, that when I was
1: again. a kid, I didn't really see anything odd about this chapter. But now, as we study it, I think this is a an extremely strange chapter with uh, strange behaviors in it.
0: Well, see yeah, and I think that's that's the the strangeness of it I think is what's captivating both intellectually and popularly that you know on the popular level it's like oh this is a really cool story and like the walls just come down and like you know th- did they use siege works and and um you know did they use like catapults and stuff like no they just <laughs> they just marched around in circles right you know um so that's that's pretty a pretty cool story um but then um on the on the intellectual academic side it's like well now hang on a second like was the city of Jericho, you know, really occupied even in the late Bronze Age? And, you know, did they even have walls? And, you know, like, so there's a lot of, there's this mixture of kind of like archaeological and just sort of like uh, popular kind of religious edificational
1: interest. So uh, I I think um, something I noticed right off the bat was that Yahweh's different, and I think everyone knows Yahweh's different from their own personal gods. you know uh, true Yahweh is the one true God, but all of these people treat Yahweh as though e- even though they're pagans, they have these their other gods they they know there's something special about Yahweh, like back in uh uh, when Balaam, all those kings, start trying to get together and get Balaam to preach or uh, prophesy against Yahweh, he can't yeah. do it. But they're no. scared stiff, and just like these people in Jericho, they are scared.
0: Yeah, no, that, that that's well said. It's you know, and we've seen this build up for a couple chapters now. You know, I I just I just keep going back to to Rahab's. Confession um, that that we heard that it was where where what was that that was it was uh back in in chapter what was it was it uh it was back in chapter two, that she has that confession, uh, the Lord, your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. And, and um, you know, she, mm. she goes and like kind of repeats the story, the word that's on the street here, right? We've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came up out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. So it's as you say, you know, here is Israel getting marched out of Egypt and all over the region, and they're developing a reputation. And really, it's it's Yahweh, as you were saying, who is developing this reputation as, as more than just a tribal, uh, localized deity.
1: Yeah, terror was in their hearts. They were absolutely freaked out.
0: Yes, so that that and that is um, that is verse one. That is where we start. Well, um, let's go ahead and, and get into it. Let's get to reading. And before we do, would you say a prayer for us and for everyone? Listen as we get ready to look at this passage together.
1: Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us your word, and you also give us your promise that it is done. All battles. And uh, our salvation ultimately is done in Christ. Already we have been saved. We pray in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen. Yeah, certainly. Uh, as we have been doing, it's it's always interesting to see how our Lord Jesus is prefigured in the person of Joshua. And so today we'll be looking at that, just as we have the, the last several times here in Joshua. Uh, but uh, first things first, uh, you are already getting at that verse one that depicts the, the terror of the situation. Let's go ahead and read that first little section here, the first paragraph in the English Standard Version here that we have, verses one through seven, and then we can kind of take a look about how this how this fits in with the previous chapter, because you and I already had a chance to talk a little bit about how that it really does flow just very naturally from it. And as I was kind of already mentioning at the beginning of the hour, Uh, But let's first read these for seven verses. So here's verse one. Now, Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. called the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, go forward, march around the city and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. All right. So they get their marching orders literally here in these first seven verses. But as you said, um, it starts off with a little um, depictive aside about the state of jo- uh, of Jericho that they're in a state of terror where they're they're not opening the gates for anybody. Um, they don't they don't want anybody coming in or out uh, just because I mean they're they're scared. So how does this depiction here? Um, you know, I, I guess we have a new chapter in the ESV, but. It, it kind of, I mean, or not kind of really, but I mean, I think it, it really does flow from the previous chapter. Like, What are your thoughts on how we get from five to six and
1: uh, the, the continuity of yeah, the logic I, here? I think uh, chapter six really begins with verse 13 of chapter five. So chapter five, verse 13, this, uh, the commander of the Lord's army comes and I think is you you get confirmation back in chapter five that it's it it must be the lord it must be jesus because joshua falls down on his face already back Mm -hmm. in uh, chapter five but now here in chapter six you hear who is speaking it is you know verse two yahweh is the one yahweh said to joshua you know the one true god says to joshua see i have given jericho into your hand so I think right. that's
0: um exactly. Yes. And, and 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 back when we looked at back when we looked at uh Joshua 5 last time, that's what we were looking at too. So I totally agree with you that it really does pick up at verse 13 that it, you you have this figure who appears. Um and, and and even in the Hebrew like in verse 13, you know, uh, the the English translations typically I I don't I don't know if this is necessarily the best way to translate this. Um, but they'll kind of smooth it out. as just like a simple like when or something like that. But it, it, it's kind of a little bit stronger, almost it, it kind of like, well, you know, well, like they, something like, you know, it, it happened when Joshua was by Jericho and, you know, Colin, like, you mm. know, th- this is the story of or like the time that Joshua was over by jo- uh, Jericho, right? It's almost like a heading almost or something because, mm. yeah, it's the it's the new story. And it's, as you were saying, the story we see is not necessarily about. Uh, not, I mean, it's not just about Jericho. It's not just about Joshua, but it's about this guy that Joshua sees. And as as you just said, it becomes clear both from Joshua's behavior and then also the text itself, where as you pointed out um, in verse two, the guy seems to keep speaking, and he is referred to as yahweh so the story and, and uh, this is like very important that we see that the story is really about what yahweh is telling him to do uh from from the outset and, and even i think in these first seven verses we read it's all about listening to his instructions because it's not going to happen without
1: listening to him yeah so yeah it, it reminds me quite a bit of um judges 13 where uh in which this this man appears and through the first verses of of judges 13 you start off a man appears and then you learn a little bit more then he's an angel and then by the end of that chapter you realize oh this is god we have seen god face to face and lived so a, a similar thing happens here where first it's a man then you see he's the the king uh, or the sorry not the king but the uh the uh, prince or the leader of the heavenly armies and then you have uh Joshua bowing down and worshiping him and then in now in this chapter in verse 2 you you have him actually called the Lord. Right. So there's a progression this right. revelation revealing who it, who it is.
0: Right. Well, yeah, no, and and it's it's natural because I mean God is has hidden Himself in a way, right? I mean He, by all appearances, looks like a dude and just initially, right, like just a person. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, right, because I mean that's a, what's Joshua's first, re, what's his first reaction, right? Is it like, oh, let me bow down to you? Well, no, it's not. His first reaction is, um, hey, hey there, guy. Uh, are you for us or for our adversaries? Right, like you know, who side are you on, man? Yeah. Um, and it's only after his response, like once he starts speaking, that Joshua was like, oh, this is, uh, this is not just a guy. So, you know, I mean, I mean it's, it's the word that, that reveals God. And of course, a theme that, uh, <laughs> that we're well familiar with on thy strong word, especially as we began back in the gospel of John. So yeah, it's the word that reveals God. And as he keeps talking, he gets more and more revealed and the idea becomes clearer and clearer what's going on
1: so um, what particularly really interests me about this this second verse here is the the declaration Yahweh makes this declaration see i have given jericho into your hand and i think this is Uh, A little bit of a picture of our salvation not only do we see many 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 victories in uh, the Old Testament as a foregone conclusion but also your salvation that the way Jesus speaks about uh, your salvation Uh, because you believe in me you have already crossed over from death to life Um, so you're saved, Jericho's in your hand, all is well from the the one who can see uh past, present and future.
0: Yeah, that's uh thank you for for drawing our attention to this verse. I do think it is really intriguing um on multiple levels, including the level that you just described that I mean, it there is a good application to us that there is very much this continuing pattern of God speaking to us and saying, "Look, it's done, right? Um, you know, I mean, of course, I the one of the yeah, big ones is I think finished. of like, yeah, exactly, right. The Lord, the Lord says from the cross, <laughs> it is finished, right? It's done. Right, um, yeah. And right. so, so you've got that uh, kind of like getting right back into like the level of just the situation, though. It's interesting because he says he says see, this is not the same word that we have as behold, uh, which is very common. Uh, that, that kind of like where that gets translated as behold, coming going from the King James, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's C. So it's literally like, hey, look over here, right? I've given Jericho into your hand. And it is that kind of, you know, we use that perfect tense, I have given. It's been done already, right? Um, in English. But he's supposed to be looking at something. And so I, I think the idea is that when Joshua looks down at this city in terror, right? Because he's heard the report. Um, I mean, and this is, I think, important that we actually connect to this to the report that he gets from the spies who were aided by Rahab, that when they come back, right, at the end of, of chapter 2, they say to Joshua, Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants hmm. of the land melt away because of us. And that's exactly what Rahab right. told them, right? So mm-hmm. it, it this is a word, there's a message that actually comes from Jericho itself, um, you know, through through Rahab and the spies, and then just by the way that you he can look down because it's a valley we, we got to remember right so he looks down at the city um it's this city that yeah it would it would have been you know downhill it's a strategic location um i know that like a lot of times we we think of like oh well the city on the hill that's a strategic location well this this one has strategic location because it was an oasis so there was a there was a spring that was feeding it um and, and so it because of the way it's situated. It's like the only if you're going to control this valley, right, and control this river, it's like the only place where you're going to be able to actually like have a settlement um, that that can like just kind of be there and be permanent uh, just because of the water supply. So um, he looks down at the city, right, and he sees that like they're so scared that they're not letting anyone out even or or in. And so it's like, hey, look at this. Um, this is just evidence, further evidence of what I'm telling you. So, yeah, so, so the comment in, in verse 1 here isn't kind of like, now let's let's have a chapter that talks about how scared Jericho was um, or how they really had it coming yeah. to them. No, it's, as you were saying, it's just continuing, really, the discussion that Joshua is having with Yahweh, um, or as we were saying, the true Joshua, the pre-incarnate Christ. It's just kind of another thing. It's just the, kind of this moment where, You know, our Lord Jesus is there pointing and being, hey, look, look what I have done over here. I have struck their hearts with terror. And that is something that should sound familiar, right? I mean, because that that idea that God, um, he both changes like the physical circumstances, but also he works on the hearts of Israel's enemies and provokes them to terror, provokes them to stubbornness, right? Like we see this again and again, how he's in control of their enemies as much as he is uh, his own people or the circumstances.
1: And the circumstances must have looked uh, very difficult to overcome uh, for Joshua because the city was well fortified, big, thick walls. So, and as you know, you point out the, the water supply um, and for conventional warfare, how were they going to accomplish this?
0: Right. Yeah, no. Right. It would have been difficult to lay siege to the city. I mean, especially given that they did they didn't didn't really have like the equipment, right? Like they didn't have like siege works constructed to like uh, try to like overcome the walls or like raise up their men to like have a chance against people who would be up on the walls uh, defending the city. So that logistically, it's a challenge. Um, just putting them to siege is going to be difficult because they have the spring going on as a water supply. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of like practical difficulties there. But um, the, the big thing, though, what well, he's pointing to is is this this terror, though. Like they're they're scared, right? Mm. They're scared of you, and you can you can see by the way they're acting that they're scared. Um, and this is important, I think, because I mean, we we see this, we saw this, um, you know, when we were looking at Isaiah. We saw this in the situation with the assyrians that that god strikes them with fear he sends them into disarray he causes them to to hear about this rumor and they and they just leave judah right because they're scared of something going back on the home front right um we, we of course have seen god do this sort of thing we, how he did it with with pharaoh of egypt right that how he hardened his heart yeah. so I mean, just showing how he is in control of the hearts of men, right, and that he is in control of ultimately all the armies, even the enemy armies, right? I mean, that's that's the trump card because it doesn't matter um, about the walls if if God's ultimately control even of the people behind the walls.
1: Yeah, and uh, so, so another thing I, I was thinking of when I when I was reading this is that. I think it's interesting that Joshua trusts, because th- this would be a situation that would look very daunting, I think, to Joshua, yet unlike uh, Gideon. Gideon does not seem to me to have any trust at all, as I read him, and, and, it's, and both Gideon and uh, Joshua has similar situations in which God completely does the fighting and and terrorizes uh, the enemy. In both situations, God acts the same, but in this situation, Joshua just goes and does it, whereas Gideon is is terrified. And yeah. I think that good. You know, when I read these these words on a page, it doesn't. I don't feel anything you know my brothers one fought in Iraq the other fought in Afghanistan so my brothers could have died and here you know something we need to think about these Israelites they could die you know they are fighting with swords against real people and there were casualties you know people die in war and so I think to to have fear is would be a normal reaction to 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 warfare.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, we you know we we have the comfort of distance from all of these things. Like you were saying, most of us don't go anywhere near an actual literal battlefield. We have, of course, the benefit of hindsight, right? Oh, this happened a long time ago, right? We already know the outcome. Um, so all and, those and things. We won. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And we won. Right. So, you know, all these things, uh, you know, make us kind of comfortable and and maybe this isn't uh, that impressive. But yeah, I like your your comparison, comparing um, this to Gideon, the stories of the judges. You know, we haven't gotten to the judges yet. But yeah, I mean, it is interesting how, you know, circumstances with uh, the judges seem like less than optimal. Right. Of course, that's the whole situation in judges that things are kind of falling apart. Um, going, in, going to pieces. Right. Uh, but here the, the picture is, is similar to that of the picture of Moses, right? That you've got this one faithful leader who's listening to what God says. And in the same way that Joshua, you know, he, with Caleb, right. One of the two faithful spies that was like, Oh yeah, you know, armies, cities, giants, whatever we can take them. We got, we got God on our side, right? The boldness and, and the bravery of Joshua, um, is impressive and it's what what we've seen since chapter one you know be be bold and very courageous right i mean it's in, in other words have faith so the faith of joshua is on display in the way that he without question you know without hesitation just takes these orders from god before him and just transmits them directly to the priests and the people Well, uh, we only have maybe about like a minute before our uh, break, but let me go ahead and read just the next little chunk here, um, and then we can get to discussing it when we we get back. So we just read the first seven verses, get the story going. So here's the next few, picking up at verse 8. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the Ark of the Covenant to the Lord following them. All right, so uh, we'll have to really kind of take this slowly because I think it's important to get the picture that's being drawn for us here. There's a very particular sequence of things, and I think there's some there's some significance to the to the to the sequence. It's not just kind of like you know here's the the magic recipe for how to make walls fall fall down. There's there's a lot going on here. So when we get back, we'll talk about these things, but we have to go into our break right now. Looking at Joshua chapter six here on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. <laughs> Lutheran News Digest host, Kip Allen. Every year since 1974, pro-life forces gathered in the nation's capital protesting the Supreme Court's infamous Roe v. Wade decision. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's been involved in the march since the beginning. LCMS Communications Specialist Pam Nielsen has details on this year's event on World Lutheran News Digest, Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and Saturday at 9.30 a.m. on Worldwide
1: KFUO. Epiphany season in the Christian Church celebrates the spreading of the story of Jesus. Sing
0: for Joy tells the story in music. Join us.
1: Sundays at noon on KFUO, the messenger of good news.
0: For years on Sunday mornings, worldwide KFUO has been broadcasting live worship services for those unable to attend worship or for those who enjoy hearing God's word. This Sunday, our 8 a.m. worship comes from Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois, with Presiding Pastor Reverend John Shank. Village Lutheran Church in Lundin, Missouri is our 1045 worship. Music starts at 1040 with Presiding Pastor Reverend Kevin Golden. Join us on Sunday mornings on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. We're looking at Joshua chapter 6, the story of how the people of Israel encircle the city of Jericho and the walls come tumbling down. We're looking at this with our guest today. We've got Pastor Mark Jason, pastor at Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Pasadena, California. We just read verses 8 to 11 here, the actual um the description of the first day of circling the city one time each day for these first 6 days. So there's, like we were saying before, there are actually a good deal of questions, and we're, we're not even going to have time to get to all of them, but there's one in particular that you'd like to have us take a look at. You can give us a call, 1-800-730-2727, if you're listening live, if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850, or you can always send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Also, as always, we thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. You can learn more about them at lhfmissions.org. So that's their initials, LHF, and then missions.org. So yes, we just read verses 8 to 11. And I I mean, I I suppose, you know, we could kind of just look at verses 8 to 11 and just say like, oh, well, I mean, it's... It's pretty much like exactly what God said, right? So it's just like everything's just getting repeated, um, you know. So that's that's not that interesting. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I, there actually are a couple of things I think that stand out that that seem to go into more detail um, the way that Joshua talks about them, and and also I think there's there is something that we should be getting from the the way it's repeated. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, I think that certainly there is a number that is repeated over and over and over, and I think think we we might want to pay attention to that number, uh, the number seven. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, uh, and I I think that that number is telling us something about uh, what kind of victory it is. And so this is this is a uh, the the number is seven and. Uh, when the world was created, uh, God rested on the seventh day when all was complete. So I think uh, we're going to see uh, a couple of things. Or one is a complete victory here, that, that the victory will be absolute victory, right. complete. Uh, I think another thing that we're going to see here is that it's also... Um, If you were to ask uh, General Patton, hey, what do you think of our plan here? We're going to go and we're going to march around this city, and boy, we're going to destroy it. Uh, Can you imagine General Patton saying, this is a terrible plan? (laughs) And the reason God comes up with this really terrible plan is to show that the victory is 100% his. Uh, Joshua and the Israelites... uh, have it this is just a terrible strategy and yet it completely destroys the enemy. So uh right. you know the only one who can take credit for it is God. And Certainly.
0: Then, um yeah. Yeah yeah no no that that's good. There's I think there's a lot to the number seven. And um yeah I mean I mean I think that the idea of completion is, is definitely there as you were saying. Um, I think that the, the actual instructions, as you were saying, I mean, it, it's clear that they're not doing the fighting, right? I mean, they're they're, they're kind of like having a parade, uh, basically, right? Like, yeah, they're, you know, they're, like they're, right. they're, they're, they're shouting and marching in formation. And, you know, like and it's kind of like a lot of like military parades where they're, you know, they're, they're kind of like showing off their swords and stuff, but they're not actually like fighting with them. So they're kind of having a military parade, right? But they're not actually fighting. Uh, th- those are both good points. I, I think on the number seven, the one thing that we absolutely cannot neglect is that it does go back to the idea of creation and and sabbath and that you know when you, and we mm-hmm. we've seen this theme come up again and again but of course you know genesis 1 is like clearly just lays this thing out there are 6 days that god works right um, and he, he works a bit and then there's evening, he works a bit more then there's evening. And then on the last day there is rest. And so similarly, they're, they're going to repeat their uh, creation, the creation pattern, and they're going to do a little bit of work, right? They're going to go around the circle, uh, go around in a circle one time and they're going to rest in camp and then they're going to go around again and then they're going to rest in camp. Right. So it's going to be like that, you know, um, and then, and then came the evening and then, and then came the next morning, um, pattern, of Genesis, right? Like again and again uh, until the seventh day. Uh, now, the thing is, I think we we might suppose that like on the on the seventh day, it's like, well, this is kind of strange because like, well, isn't this, on the seventh day, that's the day they really have the work cut out for them, right? Like they got to, <laughs> you know, they got to like capture the city. So, I mean, that's hardly like rest. But I, I think the idea is that this is God giving them their rest because the idea of rest in the old testament is always connected to the land having rest means having peace means enjoying the land it means enjoying the fruit of the land and so it's on the seventh day that god gives them this land you know i mean because again what we were saying jericho is not just a city i mean this is really a city that symbolizes control of everything um west of the jordan i mean so this i mean th- this this moment symbolizes god giving them uh, really the entire promised land um so so really i mean the significance i'm sure that there's some kind of intimidation thing maybe going on or i mean it's got to be it's this has got to be messing with the people of jericho on a certain level seeing these people do this <laughs> you're like what are they doing are they casting a spell on us like i, I mean so on a certain level this is messing with them um uh, but the significance r- really uh, is what's known by the people, right? That they connect it back to creation and say, "Hey, God's doing what he's always been doing, and he's the one who gives us rest."
1: Right? Those who are in Christ here are completely at rest. Here Joshua is 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 showing us his rest by his his trust in God, and where there is complete unrest inside the um the city.
0: Right. Yeah, no. So uh, where, absolutely. Where
1: there, yeah. Well, we've seen that we've we seen wrath, that contrast so no before faith.
0: too. Yep. Yeah, agreed. And uh and then and then also isn't it interesting too. Joshua, see this is something that like kind of comes out in a little bit more um emphasis, more detail, right? In God's instructions, he does say, right back in what was it, in verse 5, when they make the long blast, right? Um on mm-hmm. on the seventh day, after you've like gone and circled the city seven times, right? So at, in that situation, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout, right? So, okay, we, we've been told that already. But then Joshua makes it clear, right? Um, in these instructions that he repeats, you shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout, then you shall shout, mm-hmm. right? So So he right. goes and makes it clear, like, Hey, like, don't, don't kind of more than just like, Hey, wait for the signal, but like, don't even, don't say anything. Let's be really clear about this. Right. Um, so, I mean, I I don't know. I I just think of, I I I think of the way that our Lord Jesus speaks in the gospel that, you know, that, that he will (laughs) give us the words to speak, um, through, through the spirit, um, that, you know, anything that, that his apostles speak is, is really just what he speaks, um the way that that he is the one who founds the church and, and establishes the office of of the of the keys yeah. of the ministry i mean I, all this stuff seems very similar there in that way
1: the, don't worry about what you will say the words will be given to you
0: mhm right
1: yeah, they don't have to. They
0: don't have to be thinking about, you know, like you know, what kind of chant they're going to come up with for their parade, right? Like, no, right, they just, right. no, no, don't, don't get creative, guys. Don't, don't try to add, uh, add some flourishes <laughs> onto what God's given you. You just, you just wait and do this. And it's going to happen just, just like the way that God said it would, and it's going to be clear, right? That it's about the the Creator God, the Creator God, you know, the God of everything is the one who's destroying Jericho and not anybody else, right? So, uh, big ideas. Let's let's go ahead and just read the next few verses here, um, just kind of complete the thought. We had to stop before the break, but uh, picking up at verse 12 here. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests bearing the seven tr- trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord walked on, and they blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men were walking before them, and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did for six days. So um, this it, is is an interesting storytelling thing, right? Because the first day, we kind of had this long description of like everything that happened the first day but this isn't going to be like Genesis where each day gets narrated. This is like, okay. And then this happened days two through six, <laughs> right? Like right. it kind of speeds up and, and and says like, okay, we did this six times. We're moving on to the seventh day, right? Cause we, we already know that the seventh day is where the really good stuff happens. Um, it is interesting that, uh, you know, here and in the previous chapter, we, we do know that the trumpets are, it says blowing continually. So, you know, I, I imagine that the trumpets are, you know, let, letting out like some kind of series of, of, uh, of sounds, or I don't know if it's like a tune or if it's maybe just more of like a rhythm, but they're just kind of like going around and around like these like short little blasts, I guess, uh, repeatedly. Um, it's, it's, we're saving that big long blast where it's going to be unmistakably clear for the seventh day. So uh, these verses are really just kind of building up the anticipation it seems
1: and and for anyone who plays the trumpet um this uh pl- playing continually for long periods of time the trumpet isn't the, the instrument you want to be doing huh. on and on and on
0: yeah right is, yeah a, no well i mean i have never worked for those <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know if uh if blowing on a shofar, right a ram's horn <laughs> trumpet is any easier or, or maybe it's more difficult i don't i don't know um but all right but we but we have this uh this formation here they just keep their formation they keep doing their thing days days two through six right and then so so here's the the big uh the big turn the seventh day the seventh time here so picking it up at verse 16 uh rather actually 15. on the seventh day They rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you this city. And the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you... Keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest, when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city every man straight before him and they captured the city then they devoted all in the city to destruction both men and women young and old oxen sheep and donkeys with the edge of the sword so uh pausing there you know it's it, the the, destru- the destruction is is carried out um exactly as as described the, the plan is executed you know, God commands Joshua, Joshua commands the people, the the people obey. I mean, like, it's just, it's just happening. This is a picture of everything in Israel is working in sync here. But what's interesting, I think, is that like right before, right? Like, like, here it is. Here's the moment, right? All right. We've gone around seven times, you know, the priests are blowing the trumpets. It's like, okay, here, I'm giving you the command to shout. Oh, but wait, one more thing. Right. And like, like, (laughs) right, right at the moment, right? Like he, he reiterates this instruction and it, and it seems to be about what, what's the significance of this destruction and who's to be spared from the destruction. Like this isn't just like a mad moment of like bloodlust, right? It's like th- this is deliberate and there's there's certain things we're going to do and there's certain things we're not going to do. So mm-hmm. like what's the logic here? Like what's the pattern and and, and what what is the significance that Joshua is impressing upon them before they just charge the city?
1: Well, there are laws. Uh, there are things that to, to be uh, there are laws to be kept, and he he specifically says that uh, these are the things you must do. And making sure. Well, one of the big things I think is so super important is is Rahab. Who is Rahab, and and what role does she play in here? Um, So I see Rahab, Rahab must be rescued, and Mm -hmm. all of the people with her, they all must be rescued. And, uh, you know, we see Rahab in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Why is she rescued? She's this great woman of faith. So what do we see? She's a prostitute and a great woman of faith. This is simul et peccator. This is simultaneously saint and sinner. Simultaneously, she is a saint and a prostitute. So she is a picture of the church. Uh, she is a picture of us. We, uh, we, we don't deserve it, but through faith, uh, we are saved, trusting that God is our Savior.
0: Trusting right. Jesus. So- yeah, yeah. Yeah. So def- did def- did definitely, definitely. I think the, you're right. That, that the redemption of Rahab, the rescue of Rahab's, I mean, really front and center in this, that, you know, I mean, he, he goes and starts with, you know, like basically the whole city and everything is going to be devoted to destruction. But then in the middle section here, right. It's like, but we've got to rescue Rahab. Uh, and then he goes on to talk about, you know, like the different, okay, this is what you do for like the silver and the gold and whatever, but Rahab's right in the middle there. Like right? Rahab is, is central to this. And, um, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, we looked, we looked at this, you know, um, and I think that similar uses, uh, Picotter is, is, a uh, it can, can be helpful perhaps. Um, of course we got to clarify, right. Again, she has, uh, the, the title prostitute, uh, kind of almost as like a last name, like because of her past. Um, I don't, we, don't, there's not really anything that suggests, especially given like the, her faith uh, that she has continued on, um, in, in, in that. Right. And so it's not a picture of of the church uh, continuing on um, deliberately willfully um, sinning in, in the same capacity. Right. But like in, in the way of repentance, right. That, that she has turned um, from this life. And I, and I think in that way uh, I I think in that way she kind of symbol is, is a symbol for what Jericho is that, that Jericho, like all the nations, really it's, it's prostitution. And that's what we, we saw the symbol was in the book of Isaiah that even though your God makes you right and you are to be faithful to your God, you go and you you turn to idols to false gods right I mean it's a kind of unfaithfulness um, but but Rahab shows faithfulness in turning away from the from the the false gods, the new gods, the idols and really makes herself a part of Israel. Um, I mean, I mean, and that's why, you know, like as you were saying, like she gets included like in the genealogies and everything else. I mean, she she is just considered to be an Israelite, even, even though, yeah, she wasn't born an Israelite, but but she was like grafted in and she was made a, a part of it. And so, you know, so what you see here is that this isn't this isn't merciless destruction. I I have to believe that if anyone else in the city would have joined Rahab, right, um, because actually it mm-hmm. does say um, actually, and we're going to get to this, it says like everyone in her house, right? So if there's, if there's anyone who is going to be pro-Israel like Rahab, I believe they get spared um, uh, on account of what, what she did and and the repentance that's going on here. So this, is, this isn't merciless, um, but it, it really just shows the depth of the depravity because everybody else in the city uh, was totally unwilling um, and was dead set on the, the, the ways of idolatry, which, you know, it, does, it doesn't get into it here, but we know um, a lot of terrible things were going on in the practice of idolatry.
1: And also, th- this is a picture of the end of the world, the church in the end of the world, the, the whole world being destroyed, and yet the church being saved. Here you have uh, the whole city, complete destruction to the whole city, and yet Rahab and her family are all safe. They are all right. Uh, rescued, right? So that's, yeah, no. that's a picture of you and me being being safe in eternity, even though the the whole world falls falls down around us. Uh, we still stand because of
0: Christ, right? And and I, and I think that that really just extends the creation idea that we're talking about. That you know, in, in the midst of destruction, that that Rahab is spared. You know, Rahab and the people. Um, in her house, they have rest. They have protection, right? and in, in the same way that um Noah had rest and protection um for for him and his family and and everyone who was was on on the on the ark, right? Um, and in fact, like his you know his name means like rest like to to rest on the the mountain in the in the story, right? And then, as you were saying at the at the at the end end, um that we have rest in the midst of the destruction. so, yeah, I, I think that that just extends the, the pattern. Um, there, there is a little bit, and I think we need to move on, um, about, like, yeah. uh, it, sa- it says here in verse 18, right? Don't, don't take any of the devoted things, right? That's bad. Mm-hmm. If you do that, Israel's in trouble, it says. Uh, but the silver and the gold and, the, and it's all the metal stuff here, um, that goes into the treasury, what what's going on with this with this comment? Is this just looting? What what's going on?
1: So you know you, you see a, a similar thing happening in 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 Daniel five when uh, the ki- king Sel, Sel- Shazar, he he's uh, going into the uh, he, he's he's going into the the temple of Jerusalem and, and uh, using. All of the the silver from from Jerusalem, and then you have uh, uh, th- they are misusing things that have been consecrated, things holy things that have been set apart for holy purposes, and they're misusing these things. And so, uh, they're the hand writes on the wall that an end will come to his uh, to his reign. And so, in a similar way. Uh, the, these things have been devoted. these things have been put aside for holy purposes um, so yeah. what God declares holy he wants to use for his his purposes yeah
0: and i think and I think uh you mentioning the whole idea of like temple vessels right um cultic objects that would be used and worshipped i I think that's on onto what what's probably the central idea though it's not made explicit here that i imagine right like that among these golden objects right or silver objects we're going to find stuff that's like shaped um in the image of foreign gods right um which you'd say to yourself well why do they get to keep that stuff that seems really bad right well the thing about that right is that you can melt it down and you can reshape it right you you can take all that you know stuff and, and you can make it into a different form and so all of those things can be recast, right, and rededicated and consecrated, as you said, for appropriate holy use, right, with with regard to the true God, Yahweh. Um, however, all the other stuff, you can't, like, melt down and, and, and change. Like, you can't do that with uh, people or, or with their with their animals or things like that. And so I, I think that's that's the difference, as you were getting at that, you know, it's like, Th- there's kind of only two ways to consecrate things right like um or, or maybe three i guess you know one would be in the case of rahab um conversion um, right repentance mm-hmm. the other way uh would be melting it down and reshaping it like with metallic things and the other way would just be death mm-hmm. so i mean it's sort of like really everything is getting consecrated um <laughs> in one way or another right, um, right. it's just a matter of kind of like what what the thing is uh, capable and how how it works uh, only have like so five minutes death left and here.
1: resurrection.
0: Ah, uh, well, yes, yeah, yeah. There you go. That's that's true, right? <laughs> we
1: must die yeah. and rise.
0: Yes. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's. I hadn't thought about that. Like the kind of melting down and and re re uh, casting something is sort of like that. Um. Only like four minutes left here. Let me just read the rest of the chapter, and we can just make a couple of closing remarks here. Uh, again, Rahab, central to this last section here. Let's read verse twenty-two onward. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, Go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belonged to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it, only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Rahab the prostitute in her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Joshua laid an oath on them at that time, saying, "'Cursed before the Lord be the man who rises up and rebuilds this city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn shall he lay its foundation, and at the cost of his youngest son shall he set up its gates.'" So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. So uh, in a lot of ways, just, I mean, so we we actually have the command to save uh, Rahab just carried out, um, and and so also the devotion to destruction and everything else. So Joshua's commands are carried out. You know, they, they faithfully execute the commands that Yahweh gives them through Joshua, Uh, And then the last thing, though, this is maybe the thing that's a little bit different. Um, Joshua puts a curse on the city, Um, you know, and this is this is kind of these interesting moments when you have curses. I mean, you know, our Lord Jesus, like, you know, he cursed a fig tree in the New Testament. Right. So what's going on with these with these curses? Um, And so here's this curse. And it says here, um, you know, at the cost of the firstborn um, and his youngest son, Will you rebuild this city and its gates? So, what's going on with this curse here at the end of the chapter?
1: Well, the the destruction was complete. So, th- this is uh, God saying, "No, I have completely destroyed this, and no one shall um, shall rebuild it." it you know, it, this is a picture of of the the end of the world it's it's a picture you, you you see the same thing in in the flood the worldwide flood with noah you see it with the red sea uh uh the crossing of the red sea with the israelites and, and here you see in jericho uh in in each case you have first you have a man appointed by god to lead the people so you have noah moses and then joshua and then, two the, the redeemed. What do they do? They pass through water and are safe. So you have, you have the, um, you have Noah's family uh, crosses through the passes through the water of the flood. The Israelites pass through the Red Sea, and then you have the, the Israelites for, through the through the uh, Jordan River, uh, to, to, to Jericho. So, right. And then the third thing is, in all three cases, so, so the redeemed pass through the water and are safe. And then in the, in the third situation, you have complete destruction for all who are outside the kingdom of God. So, so the flood brought complete destruction to all who are outside of the kingdom of God, the Red Sea, right. all the people who are outside, and then Joshua. Uh,
0: right. Uh, it all fits all that people. pattern. All same pattern again and again. Right. Very good. Well, thank you, brother. So good having you on today. Uh, looking forward to having you on again real soon. Thank you so much. Everybody, this was Pastor Mark Jason, pastor at Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Pasadena, California, seeing how, yeah, the, this pattern, we see that here. Uh, I think there's a lot of connections. Um, but we'll if have to talk maybe more about them next time. Until then, you know, my the ball's come a-tumbling down. I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. Until next time, peace. KFUO,
1: the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.